On this week's episode of Smarter Building Materials Marketing, Beth and I bring on Ben Myers, who is the regional sales manager at Quickset. Ben is a wealth of knowledge as it relates to how to grow and successfully scale your sales team in the building materials industry. He shares some great insights and psychology around selling to help you be more successful and plan for this next year. So if you're looking for some great insights on how to be more effective with sales, so let's get into the podcast. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing. I am Zach Williams alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikolov. Hey, Beth, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm really excited for us to have Ben on the show today. Ben's the regional sales manager for Quickset. I have been stalking him on LinkedIn for a while, and the stuff he shares is incredible. I've got We've got tons of questions to ask him. I'm really excited for us to chat with him today. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I love this podcast. I listen frequently. Um, I love to download the podcast and listen on all of my flights as I'm traveling all over the East Coast. Well, thank you. I mean, that's making me blush a little bit. Um, but maybe for our listeners, you can give everyone just a little bit of an overview of your role at Quickset and what you do on a regular basis. Sure. So I'm the regional sales manager for East Locks. I cover the Eastern United States. Um, I manage our team calling on distributors and builders, and we do our best to, to service both and provide as much value as possible. You know, I was chatting with you in preparation for this podcast, and you were sharing with me that you've just been in the industry for, gosh, what, 10, 15 years, and you've seen success through the recession. You've seen success over the last decade. Can you talk to us a little bit about your approach and why you've been successful from a sales standpoint and even sales leadership standpoint? Sure. So I've been with Quickset for 15 and a half years. It's the only company, uh, only brand I that I've known. So we've had three different parent companies. And like you said, we've been through the ups and downs of the market. And I like to think of us as, you know, being on the leading edge. So we have to do everything we can to stay ahead of our competition. Uh, I, I like to say that you know, our success is, is kind of like the poem from Robert Frost, the two roads diverge in the woods. So you take the one less traveled and, and that makes all the difference, right? So you have to do all your normal blocking and tackling. Uh, but I think the real success comes from doing a lot of things that, that others just won't do. Um, you have to keep your eyes open for creative solutions. And, you know, one thing I told you, it's kind of my, you know, my motto for, for myself and for our team is we never say it is what it is. I think that statement just just says you don't care enough to to make a difference about the outcome. And sometimes it's really difficult to to make a change, to make the change happen. But if you're really dedicated to ma making it happen and, and showing that value for your customer base, then you're going to figure a way to to get it done. What are some ways that you guys have had to shift or change for your customers over the years? Yeah. So, you know, you guys talk a lot about it on, on the podcast with, you know, just how rapidly everything is changing anymore. Right. This is probably one of the slowest industries to change. And, and now we have, you know, the Amazon effect and where everything is just expected to be next day. And, you know, we have to make sure that we're doing our research to, to stay out ahead of our, our competition. 
um, not only from like a product standpoint and a technology standpoint, but you know you have all these mergers and acquisitions, and and how are they going to you know change the landscape of the industry? Um, you know, one of the things I think is funny too when you think about builders and distributor partners is how often the people change. So it seems like folks, you know, go to a company and then they're there for 18 months or two years and and then they get picked to go to a different company still within the industry. And, and you have to make sure that you're really staying on top of those relationships because you, you have to make sure that you're not burning bridges and that you're you know continuing to stay in touch. So it's just been it's been interesting over the last decade to, to watch it all play out. Talk to me more about that, Ben, because, you know, the idea of, you know, the digital landscape changing the industry and all this technology disrupting building products, I think almost the idea of how important people are within an organization, even specifically sales, is sometimes overlooked. But I think one thing you were telling us as we were talking about this podcast is like, that is just incredibly important to your success as a leader within your sales initiatives, as well as just QuickSet as a whole. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the technology piece is critical. I think, you know, you have to have a digital footprint. You know, we're, we're certainly a big company, but we try to act small. We, you know, talk to our people a lot about training and, and making sure that, you know, we're giving our customers the, the proper tools to be successful and people do business with people they like. So if you're not hiring the right people and putting them in a position to, to win and succeed, you're ultimately going to fail. And, you know, people are the most important asset to any company. And we really take that mindset. I would also tell you, you know, ju just from like a, you know, I guess like a tactics standpoint, the biggest thing I, I could probably tell anybody is, is making sure that you're doing the, the right research on, on the people that you're working with. Right. So set up things like, you know, Google news alerts and, and, you know, Beth, you mentioned, you know, stalking people on LinkedIn or, you know, any other uh, sites that, that you find relevant, you know, in the industry, you know, making sure that you're contacting mutual connections and really not just understanding their business, but, but their preferred method of conduct, right? So you don't want to just go in and treat everybody the same. People have different preferences on the way that they want to do business. And you want to make sure that you understand that before you start the whole process. How many people do you interview every year to be part of your sales organization? Do I interview? Oh, wow. Yeah. So when you're looking at an open position, I probably go through somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 100, sometimes more resumes. I'll do somewhere in the neighborhood of yeah, roughly right, maybe 20 or so quick, you know, first round interviews. And then from there, begin to dial it down. Per position. Yeah, per position. So so I, I should probably state that I'm not like most managers. So we have the ability to have our HR team and our recruiters do a lot of that legwork themselves. Um, I, I choose to do it myself because I, I like to live outside the box. I think you've heard me say that before. I don't think outside the box. I kind of live outside the box. And <laughs> I, I look for different types of success and different personalities than your standard sales manager. So if you would ask anybody on my team or in my company, you know, some of my hires have been outside the industry and have been highly successful. So coming from education or the hospitality world, 
versus just the building materials industry. So yeah, I'll go through a lot of resumes and you know quite a quite an extensive number of actual you know short first round interviews before we get into kind of the meat and potatoes second and third round interviews. Oh my gosh, tell me tell me what you look for in people. Like what what are the two or three yeah. things that you're lo- like you're looking for? Like you're like, yep, I see that. I, I want that person. Or is it like a gut feeling on on an individual? So let's break it down in, into the resume and background research stage. So it, when, when I'm in that stage, I'm looking for attention to detail, right? I see a ton of resumes. The resume has to pop. It can't be an old styled resume where you're just you know blurting out everything you've ever done. I want it to be succinct. There can't be grammatical mistakes. You know, I want to see that you're staying up to date with things that are going on, you know, in in your industry or or the world in general. Once I get into the actual phone conversation and then live interviews or video interviews, I want to first hire, you know, happy people. We all have to come to work and, you know, work isn't always fun, but I want to make work as as enjoyable as I possibly can. And I want to work with happy people. I want to work with fun people, right? I want to have a good time winning with our team. So so that's kind of number one. I I read the book, oh, I forget the exact name of it, but it, it's like Peanuts uh, about Southwest Airlines probably 15, 20 years ago. And it talked about their mentality of always hiring happy people and that they're going to ultimately, you know, be the successful face of your company. And I've I've always taken that mentality. So, you know, after that, you're looking for, you know, people's skill sets, how articulate are they? What's their body language in, in person? Do I feel like they're going to be able to, you know, succeed in the role because the, the roles we hire for are different than your normal sales, just general sales role? It's interesting, Ben, that you guys are spending so much time on people, uh, certainly as you should, but obviously we talk a lot about digital on our podcast, but so much of what we're finding as this massive shift to digital is really starting to take hold in the building materials sector is that it's coming at a time when people are also shifting back to the human touch as well, that that expectation for automation and immediacy is actually also now much more quickly followed by the expectation to get to a human, um, which is, a, you know, as you know, a major pendulum swing from even you know, a handful of years ago, let alone even farther back than that, as we saw the digital shift coming. So I think it's so incredibly wise that you guys are investing so much in people. Another thing that you're talking about that ties back to some conversations we've had here recently is we talked with a dealer based out of the Atlanta area about, you know, really sales tactics that are working and what he looks for when he's partnering with a manufacturer. So I I obviously don't want you to give away your secret sauce, um, but when you're talking with dealers, distributors, and other arenas, what are some tactics that you've seen work that relate on that people-to-people level? Was that the John Vaughn podcast that you guys did? Yeah, so so I did a little stock. Yeah, John Vaughn Awesome. John Vaughn Awesome. John Vaughn Awesome. So funny enough, I was listening to that podcast on my way to Atlanta and Oh, good timing. Yeah. And so I, I he said in there like don't don't, you know, just cold call and stop in. 
And and so I, I refused to just do that. But I, I did actually pop my head in to find out who was in charge of their purchasing and was able to get her card so that I could follow up afterward. But we, we don't actually do business with them currently. <laughs> oh, that's wait. Did you go to call on John Vaughn then? You're going to. That's awesome. I did. That's yeah. Awesome. So so we, we have a, a new rep starting down there in January and I've already passed along that information to her. That's wait. That is a sales guy at heart. Not like. <laughs> Let me get some tips and strategies, but like, oh, you're in Atlanta? I'm in Atlanta. Let me go see if we can do some business together. I was literally I like, like 40,000 like feet in the air and I was listening to him, you know, talk to you guys. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stop in there and just see what their business is about. <laughs> Smarter building materials podcast, connecting people. Look at that. <laughs> oh, you buy product? Oh, we sell product. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe this. <laughs> what a weird coincidence. <laughs> So you were asking a little bit about, you know, the the secret sauce and, you know, ultimately, again, it comes back to just understanding the business and understanding the people. Right. So I can't I'll, I'll tell you a good story about about researching. Right. So way back when and this is the only time I've ever been kicked out of a meeting. I was just probably 12 years ago, maybe 13 years ago. We were in with a builder. And they were asking us questions. And I don't know if it was, you know, just the, the builder posturing or if he legitimately felt like we didn't do enough research, even though we felt like we did, but said we didn't know enough about his business and, and asked us to, to leave and come back when we did more research, right? So set me down a path from that point on to always make sure that we did more research than we ever, you know, possibly could use in, in a meeting. and. Probably 98% of the information we find in our research phase doesn't even get used in the meeting. But I'll tell you what, I feel a lot a lot more prepared going into builder and distributor meetings now than I did back then. I would also just say that, you know, from, from a people perspective, you know, I, I like to think about the way that they position themselves, right? So many moons ago, I used to play poker fairly extensively. And this is going to sound really weird, but my, my enjoyment really didn't come from the monetary aspect of it. I really like to just study the people, try to figure them out and then make the like the right moves to succeed. And I kind of convert that into the business world. Right. So I, I read a lot of different books about like lie spotting and and behavioral patterns. And so I, I like to kind of you know sit back in in the meetings and observe and and do my research and then hopefully make the right moves and it's a little bit different you know certainly in business where it's a selling scenario that that better be mutually beneficial to to both sides versus you know in poker but it's kind of that that same recipe where you got to understand your audience know what's making them tick and, and then make the right move at the right time to to be successful and, and convert the business and, and hopefully you know give them value at the same time Talk to us, how do you plan for that kind of preparation, Ben? Like, what are the steps that you take? How do you train your team? And like, is there a process or a methodology that you undertake to get to those kinds of results where you are not only coming prepared and selling effectively, but year over year, you're being successful doing it? Sure. So I, I think a lot of it has to do with the pre-planning you know, we have everybody has like the templates they use for different meetings and the way they go about researching it. But I think that the way to be successful year over year over year is to have long term strategic plans in place. 
So when when we're building out our plans and, and I'm, you know, I certainly I won't go into some of the, the real deep specifics, but we build our plans to be fairly broad, fairly general, but short. So, you know, a one page document that I could say is like a synopsis of here's what I want to do this year. Here's what I want to do in the next three years. And here's what I want to do in, in, in five to 10 years in, the, in a marketplace. From there, you know, I'll build out a lot of the tactics and strategies with the team. And we want to make sure that they're very, very specific. And those can be really extensive. So, you know, that can be as many pages as, as you need to be from an overall perspective. And then once you get to that point, you start breaking down the territories into what I call sub-territories. And I wanna get you know specifics on each one of those. So how do all these different sub-territories and sub-markets add up to your territory? And then how does that up to my territory? And then how does that kind of roll up to the bigger picture of the organization and, and making sure that our goals are aligned with you know with what what the end game is for our company. So Ben, what does it look like on a weekly or monthly basis for you to manage and lead your team? Like what are the things you're doing? How are you plotting their success? How are you keeping them engaged and and moving the needle where you've set that line in the sand and that plan to say we're going to achieve X Y and Z. Yeah, so I'll say first off that our leadership, you know, really is world class from the top down. It always has been. So we've had a lot of really good leaders that have cared about the people and cared about the training to make sure we're putting our people in the right place. So if I think back to when I first started with Quickset under the Black and Decker umbrella, you know, we were challenged to have 60 hours or more a year in training to develop our skill sets, right? Which is pretty significant. And I think that kind of started us on that path of making sure we were really dialed in. From there, you know, if you want to talk about the the cadence that I have and that my leadership team has with, with our team, it, it's on a weekly basis for me, making sure that I'm I have touch points with the, some of the leaders on, on my team. So we have different types of leaders that call on different categories of business. We want to make sure that any changes that, that happen during the week, that we're all in the loop and aligned. We talk about our goals on a weekly basis. One of the things that I think really kind of sets our team apart and something I instituted called a, a sniper call. And the reason we called it the sniper call is because it's, it's short, it's very direct and, and on point. Um, and what it was, it was a quick 30 minute call every week outside of our normal cadence where we would bring on a, a guest from somewhere else in the organization to talk about what was going on in their business. How does it impact the greater organization and how can we help them to be more successful in their role? So not only are we, yeah, not, not only are we cross networking within the, our own organization, but it's giving our team a much wider perspective of the overall business. And that's things that they can use when they're out facing the customers to help them better understand how their businesses run and, and possibly give them you know more suggestions to, to create value out there in the field. I love that idea, Ben, because I think, and you could obviously speak to this better than I could, but so often sales teams can become isolated from the rest of the company. You know, the rest of the company is picking up where sales leaves off or maybe pushing collateral up to the sales team to send out. But, you know, the sales 
team really functions kind of as their own engine so often and, and bringing in the other parts of the company is not only valuable for your team, but it's valuable for them to recognize, you know, what a partnership they have that you guys have together, that you're all focused on the same goals, working as a company or servicing the same customers, building that same brand. I just, I love that. I think it's really, really smart. Yeah, th- thank you. Yeah, it's, it's very, very important to us, you know, out there in the field to, to be connected, to understand how we're impacting others and, and do our best to make sure that the whole company is successful. So Ben, as you're planning for this next year and you're looking at some of those tactics and strategies that you mentioned, what are some of the biggest opportunities that you see for building material manufacturers who might be listening to this podcast to say, hey, if you did X, Y, and Z or these one or two things, this is where you're going to see the greatest impact from like a sales or strategy or tactic standpoint. I know that's pretty open-ended, but I'd, I'd love to just hear what are some of the things that you guys are doing that either you're experimenting with, or you see that there's a ton of opportunity to use and leverage from a sales standpoint. So not getting too, you know, too far into the, the hardware geek side of me, cause that won't help everybody. <laughs> but from a general standpoint, I would say, you know, make sure that you're coordinated for your e-commerce business right that continues to just boom overall if you don't if you don't have a team that's focused on ecom you're you're certainly behind the curve but it's never too late to get in the game i would also just tell you make sure your plans include looking for other markets you can disrupt so it it doesn't always have to be the exact product line that that you're selling to get you in the door and making a huge leap forward from a from a value and sales standpoint. So I think about different companies we've partnered with that had nothing to do with our product line, but by doing so created huge value for our distributors or builders. And that's led to some really strong long-term success. So don't don't just get stuck with the, with the blinders on. Think about how can you get outside the norm and find those those you know those strong markets that are growing. It's interesting that you mentioned e-commerce. What would you say to manufacturers who are solely B two B based about e-commerce? Yeah, so we have a a, a huge partnership with with our B two B our traditional channels and. It is. It's a constant, you know, struggle to make sure that we're, you know, not stepping on on anybody's toes. I would tell you that that there's no way around e-commerce, right? It exists. It's not going away. You know, make sure that you're communicating on both sides of the aisle, and you have to find a way that is mutually beneficial. So, Ben, can you share some examples of things that you and your sales team are doing that? maybe people don't know or think about that's making you successful? Like I know you shared that example of the sniper call a minute ago, but what are some of the things that you're doing that are really working for your organization? So I would tell you, you know, a lot of it is things we've, we've kind of hit on a little bit, but it, it's, I would say mostly training and planning would be the, the two of the, the biggest areas that most companies I run into don't spend a lot of time on, which is surprising. Um, but you know, I'm constantly pinging people when I'm at networking events or uh, different sales calls, and, and you just find out that that people aren't putting in the time to 
to pre-plan, right? They're they're kind of on what I would call a milk route where they're just, they're going and they're seeing the same customers every month or every week. And, and they're not, they're not really trying to change the game. So I would tell you, think about ways that you can alter the path that, that you're currently on. So one of the great things that, that we did on, on the East team and that we're expanding out further are customer summits two years ago where we brought in some of our important customers that really had a feel as to what our brand was doing right and wrong and what was going on in the marketplace and spent two days just really pulsing them on a whole litany of topics. And out of that came probably, oh geez, I don't know, a few few hundred ideas and, and you can't execute on all of those, but you know, you narrow it down to maybe a top 20 that you can start to impact. And then from there, you know, maybe three that you can really change the game on and execute on at a high level. Man, that's gold. It's absolutely gold. I mean, it's coming from the mouth of, of the customer. Yeah. You have, you know, their buy-in obviously, cause they're the ones coming up with, with some of these ideas. And you can also talk to them about, hey, these are some of the things that we're thinking about in our pipeline. What, what do you think before we get too far down the path? That's brilliant. Something else I would say that you know I'm always preaching about to, to our team is is going the extra mile. So whether that means you know writing a handwritten thank you letter you know after a particular meeting, whether it means you know finding a a common thread between you and, and your customer, and, and maybe it's you know uh, maybe they they enjoy coffee, right? I have a, a customer that just loves like specialty coffees, right? Find, you know, find a, something online that, that's unique. Maybe send them a, a gift card for five bucks to, to try out one of these, you know, new unique coffees. Or I was in town and, and we, we took them to a, a specialty coffee house that he had never been to. You know, go, go in the extra mile might be, you know, driving product to a job site on a weekend because the, the, the builder has to meet a deadline and there's no way that through the standard channels, you, you can get, you know, get this taken care of for them. You know, those are the kind of things that are going to leave lasting impressions with your customer base that when your competition comes knocking on the door, they're going to they're going to turn them away or maybe not even give them a, a chance to, to bid the, the project because they know that, that you have their best interest in mind. And, and the competition is you know certainly just an unknown at that point. Ben, why does your team like working for you? I would hope that they would say that they like working for me. You know, it's, it's an interesting question. I would tell you that I do my best to put their interest above my own. I put a lot of time and thought and effort into ways I can develop them personally and professionally with with their buy-in, right? So we sit down, we have multiple conversations a year about how are you doing on, on your personal development? What classes are you taking? How are you giving back to your community? Um, what what are your you know life goals and how can I help you get there? So is it climbing the corporate ladder or are you happy where you are, you know, in, in your current role? And how can I make that more enjoyable? Um, you know, I talked earlier about trying to make life and work fun. You know, it, it's it doesn't have to be terrible to go to work, right? You can you can kid around, uh, you know, and still keep things professional. 
we do we we recently joined as a team uh, an app called Voxer. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. So Voxer came as a suggestion from from one of my um, members on the team, and it's been really interesting because it's it's kind of a different side of people that we get outside of the normal you know conference calls or or emails where you can you know send a funny gif or a picture or an audio recording but the the reason that it works so well for business is that we've got the whole team on there for for the east and if there's a problem in the field instead of you know waiting till they get home and building an email and waiting for a response they they can literally just take a video on site and send it, it it automatically sends right out to the team and they get instant responses back where yes i've seen that same issue and here's Here's the the way to fix that, or this is the person you need to contact, and it just it speeds up our our uh, business ability out there instantly, but adds such a fun aspect to it. That's really smart. I love that. That's super clever. And Ben, I can tell by the things that you're saying that your team likes working for you. I, I think it's interesting, Ben, because you know one thing we preach a lot from a marketing standpoint is like we have to show people that we care about them by helping them. And it's funny, it's like the same thing with sales. Like I'm sure with your customers, your number one goal is to show them that you're genuine, you're authentic, that you actually want to help them. And the same thing is with your team. You know, if you're showing them that you care, that you want to help, that you're about them before you're about yourself, then it's going to make you successful and them successful. So, I mean, to me, it's just like creating reciprocity and creating rapport with people. It's the most basic concept, but it works across the board. You're spot on with that. So you you made me think of, you know, something else we talk about is this is a long term business, right? The building industry, it's it's not used car sales, right? You're not going to go in and convert somebody on the spot or, and make that sale and, and go home and, you know, and high five, you know, your significant other, right? This is long-lasting value-added sales. And you have to prove that you are authentic because even if you make one quick sale and you're not authentic, they're, they're going to see through it. You're going to lose that business in the long run and you're never going to get that back. And people, well, while some people might change you know, from one builder to the next or one distributor to the next, the, the bad taste in their mouth about your brand will live on forever if you do something like that. So you, you have to be genuine when you're in those meetings and, and talking about creating a win-win scenario or, or even a win-win-win if you're trying to triangulate between the builder, distributor, and yourself. Or Michael Scott, who coined that term win-win-win. Win-win-win? <laughs> Love Michael Scott. <laughs> This is the great, the great, the great equalizer. So Ben, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I I feel like you've got so much knowledge and insight about how to do sales effectively within the building products industry. For anybody that wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? If anyone wants to get in touch with me, probably the best way is LinkedIn. I feel like that's the, the actually the best tool right now if you're in sales in the building industry to reach the people that you want, want to reach specifically. Um, and I'm on there constantly, as Beth can attest to. So yes, if, if you want to get in, cut, in touch with me, send me a, a message on there and I'd be more than happy to speak with you. Ben, I, I have one more question for you before we let you go. As a self-professed, I think you called yourself a geek tech nerd. I don't know exactly the, the hard hardware geek. What's on your Christmas <laughs> list? Oh, 
on my from from a hardware like a tech standpoint or just in general i mean you can give me in general i was i was guessing for tech but if you've got if you really want something outside of tech i guess you could tell us that too so from a tech standpoint i'm i've been getting really into to like all the different z-wave products that are in the industry so we we are starting to put in all the lights and cameras and obviously we have door locks you know on the house but it, the, the possibilities are endless with all the different Z-Wave connected devices. So pretty much anything Z-Wave is, is going to be awesome and appreciated on my Christmas list. That's awesome. That's a great idea. I like that. So for our listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you send Ben gift certificates to Z-Wave products. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank That's you right. both for having well, me on the podcast. I, I really, Thank really you so much for it. your time, Ben. You're very welcome. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And if you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Popniklov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikolov. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.